This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. Ben Van Handel, and he is a stem cell scientist and entrepreneur. He studied for 10 years how novel small molecules treat and prevent or tried to treat and prevent osteoarthritis. And that actually led him to a skincare line called Hero. And I was concerned about this interview because dealing with people like Dr. Ben, sometimes they're so smart, it's hard for them to relate and or explain the science in a really comprehensive way. And I have to tell you, this is one of the most fun interviews I've done. He is a little bit wild and fun and so passionate about what he's doing that I just enjoyed this and I learned a lot. We talked about how stem cells work and the things we can do to support them and and just how that all functions. I will say, like so many people like Dr. Ben who know so much, they always have fun little quirks. And this is a guy who eats a peanut butter sandwich every day. Enjoy. Okay, Dr. Ben Van Handel, is that correct? (laughs) Yes, it is. I like that, I just say Van Handel. It's like, how does a young man have such a serious grown-up name? It's amazing. Well, our name's coming from our parents, right? Yeah, but when you were a child, were they like... Ben Van Handel, can you come up here, please? Yeah, I got called to the principal's office. No, you did. Did you ever? You never got in trouble. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What for being too smart? No, and correcting no, the teachers. Come no, on, come no. on, tell it me. It was more of uh, maybe sassing the teachers. Ex- that's the same thing. Well, yeah. questioning them. I think also just like when you're growing up and you're in these like tiny little towns and you're moving around a lot. Yeah, you have to find that thing that's your niche, right? How am I going to stand out mm. from everybody else? Being smart, obviously, in school in these schools is not cool. It right? isn't? No, never. See, I, don't, I never suffered that problem. So I always thought it was cool. Where did you go to school? Did you go to like big places? No, but it wasn't that. I wasn't very smart, so I didn't oh. stand out for those reasons. Come on. Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, it's so funny. I'm obviously pretty tall, and so that wasn't, that wasn't like hugely <laughs> popular, right? I didn't say anything. I was yeah. like, you, said, you get into science, I yeah. get into, you know, I hit a ball because, you know, I couldn't really do much else. But what is that like as a kid? Do you sort of get to a place in an age where you go, wait, this is a gift? Or do you think, why have I been cursed and now I'm on the outside of all the club? Like, what was that like growing up? Yeah, that's so it definitely started with this is a curse and I need to hide this. I need to do other things to fit in with other mm-hmm. people. Also, as you'll learn, I'm very socially awkward, so that will become very <laughs> apparent. Um, and that that stems from, you know, it's, it's just one linear trajectory from being a child to now that I've always been socially awkward. And so, you know, we are moving around in these little towns. My dad, he was a contract engineer, so he would be recruited to an area to work on a contract. Mm-hmm. We'd be there from for like 18 months or sometimes longer. One time we lived 
lived in Minnesota for almost seven years, and that was great. Oh, wow. And then we just moved to somewhere else. I have a one friend who I'll introduce them to a new group, and they'll be like, are they getting it yet? So at least the seven years, they were, they were like, oh, we get Ben. Yeah. We well, get what he's about. And Gabby, that was the best school that I went to, too. So there was like this program for kids that liked school and liked learning. And so, believe it or not, Cloquet, Minnesota, they had really? this like little program. Um, and Mrs. Carp was the administrator. She was awesome. And that was, I think, the first time that I felt really encouraged on the academic side. Mm. And then we moved from there to a place that was completely the opposite. And then I definitely sort of reverted back. I missed having the capacity to exercise those muscles, right? And yeah. it wasn't until my third year of college that I finally realized, listen, uh, something's a little different about me. It took me a long time to realize that there was this responsibility that's incumbent with that. Like, if you're going to have capacity that is different in some way and it can be beneficial, you have to exercise it. That is now part of being you from now on. You know, my parents are are incredible. They're so practical. And they they knew, they definitely knew that they could see me like in groups with other kids. And you have so much more experience, right, when you're a parent and you're looking at how your kid is interacting with others. And you're like, okay, I know this is going to be hard for you, but there's potential here and it's going to get better when you get older. And so they kind of just tried to set me up to find that on my own in the future. And yeah, we had a lot of ups and downs in between. We have a great relationship now, even despite, like I said, the ups and downs. And I... I admire them for having to parent a child like me. <laughs> like, well, no, it's not a child like you. It's just someone who is, the languages are so different, yeah. right? Because you're a gift. And I think it's, it's really when we have children that speak a very different language. I have three daughters and we also learn so much from yeah. that situation. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. So she's a chemical engineer. Right. What's going on? So I don't. And that's Gabby. We ask that all the time, right? Because did your mom like? I, I, no, I don't think that was it. Uh, but so my entire sort of extended family. My dad is one of eight, and my mom is one of three. And you know, all the eight have. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And my sister, I think, was one of the first ones to actually even go to college. And then you know, certainly I was the one. Like it was a unique situation, and I, maybe it's because my parents moved around a lot, and they were exposed to things outside of that area, different ways of doing things. Like my dad is a, you know, he was a professional, he was an engineer. He didn't have to go to college back in those days to be an engineer. Interesting. But I think he worked with people that, you know, had been exposed to like that sort of higher education and he brought some of that home. I mean, and an amazing work ethic. Like they were on my sister and I all the time to just do the most that we could. You know what's interesting too is you often think about environments. Like I meet people all the time and, and you think these are brilliant people that were either not exposed to the opportunity, oh. someone didn't set them up. Yeah. I you know, and and goes back and forth. So talk to me a little bit about so you go from northern Michigan and then UCLA and then USC. Yeah. And what were you thinking like when you were in Academia, what we was really turning you on, hmm. and and tell me how you chose that path, and and also, you know, I think using academics as a job is sort of a very fascinating path for regular folks like us. <laughs> well, for me, I just got really lucky to find the thing. I get up every morning, I wake up, and I'm like oh my God, my life is awesome. I am so excited because I know, I don't know what I'm going to find that day, right? It's not, I need to go to an office and I know that I have a bunch of spreadsheets waiting for me, Mm -hmm. right? It's, we're asking questions about the fundamental nature of our bodies and then trying to encourage different outcomes so that people who need things Mm -hmm. desperately have something 
to look for, like some hope in their lives. And that, sorry, I'm like, I get no, so excited. I'm, I'm, like, I'm one of those people coming from athletics, by the way. Believe me, we're always tapping into people like you because if you're talking about certain types of treatments and modalities, these things are part and parcel. They're totally connected. So it makes a lot of sense. So how did you sort of in this journey, how did you go, oh, wait, I I know what I want to study? So in my junior year in undergrad, I had that realization, like, I haven't even tried. I've done nothing. I didn't go to class. I, I showed up for the tests. What were you doing? Um, recreational part- activities. Were you? Yes. Were you partying? Uh, I was partying just a little bit. And I think this was still a carryover in sort of trying to find my niche, my yeah. social niche. Your cl- yeah. Well, we all want those tribes, right? You just, like, there was, I didn't realize you could get some semblance of that validation yet from yourself mm. and or from a professional career. I had no idea. And so I was just fumbling my way through. And then, you know, I woke up one morning, my junior, it was literally one morning, and it was an epiphany, like, okay, I'm not even trying. I do really well. What would happen if I tried? What, what, what could occur? What could I achieve? Mm. And that really started this journey. Like, I, uh, I, really, I got really into running. I, like, so I started doing like a ton of trail running up in, because Northern Michigan University, it's in Marquette, so it's on Lake Superior. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful. And there's just all these great things available. And so I started to avail myself of other activities and that really allowed me to start figuring out, okay, what do I want to do academically? How am I going to, to, to really push myself mm-hmm. and find out what it is that I should be doing? And so, you know, initially I was a math and physics major when I, actually, no, I think it was a history major when I got to college. It started with this big funnel that were, were, yeah. were all these things not science related. And then I eventually settled on biology, but then I met a couple of folks in the chemistry department. And these professors, like Dr. Paulson, Frankie McCormick, and Suzanne Williams, like they just, and John Reavers in the biology department as well, like they all just like, I think maybe they saw there might be something there. Interesting. And they pushed me. You, because you've been there long enough that you, and you've seen so many students, mm-hmm. right? Because this is a small school. You right. go there to teach. You don't really necessarily go there to do research like at UCLA or what have you, right? right? So I think you just see enough students over time and you're like, okay. Yeah. You start to be able to, and I think even in my own TAing, right, teaching assistants and yeah. working with different professors over my academic career, I also think I started to understand that a little bit, like picking out the kids that have more there and are willing to give it. You know, I actually took a year in between undergrad at NMU uh, and going to graduate school at UCLA. When you left UCLA, in your mind, I know you then went to USC, but what, where were you going and what were you going to do? So I got to UCLA, I think it was 2006, and then I defended my thesis, which is basically like graduating in 2011. And what was your thesis on? I mean, I can ask and I probably won't understand, but I have to. You will definitely <laughs> be able to understand. So I was investigating how genes control the fate of stem cells. If we activate this specific segment of DNA, can it change the fate? of a stem cell Mm -hmm. and is there a window that during time that is allowed like you turn this on and something new happens or is it always like that knowing that there there is this capacity to alter the trajectory of stem cells or support them or enhance them that once i learned that in my phd i was like well this is what i'm doing this is what i'm doing the rest of my life 
So a couple of things, just to give people a real basic understanding. You said it beautifully already, stem cells there to help regenerate your tissue. Yeah. Maybe just explain to people, do we have an abundance of them when we're young? Yeah. Where are they? Do we produce more? Yeah. Are we with a fixed number? Maybe you could just sort of break that Definitely. down for people. Yeah. So you actually hit right on it. We have a finite number of stem cells. They are established early on. And then they have, they have two jobs throughout our lifetimes to self-renew, essentially make as exact of copies of themselves mm-hmm. as they can, and then also to support the continued health of our tissue. So let's think about the skin, for example, right? So skin stem cells, there are several layers under the skin. That's where they hang out. They, they hang out in something we call a niche. So these are special cells, and they require a special environment. And if you perturb the environment, let's say inflammation is really bad, mm. that can alter the trajectory of that stem cell. It can start making crappier copies of itself. And then that is an enhanced aging process. That stem cell eventually is no longer a stem cell, and you can't replace it. The other stem cells try to compensate by making more copies of themselves, but it's like a Xerox machine. Every time you make a copy, you're losing some fidelity. Um, And this, it's just, it's... It's a, it's a law of nature and thermodynamics about how you package DNA and make sure, because we have like two meters or something of DNA in each cell. Each time you divide, you have to unpack that. You have to make sure it doesn't get tangled up and like, you know, right. like all these horrible things that can go wrong if the stem cell has to self-renew more than it normally would. So if there's stress on the system, that is going to be detrimental to the health of your stem cells and then by proxy to the rest of your body. So back to our skin stem cells, they're there, they're in their niche, and then they will either produce exact copies of themselves or exact as they can, or they produce what we call a daughter cell. And then the daughter goes on to differentiate and make, like in the example of the skin, keratinocytes. And it will undergo multiple divisions to make, like from one stem cell, let's say you get 132 keratinocytes each time it produces a daughter cell Mm -hmm. or something like that. I made that up, but let's say, I don't remember. So that's why stem cells are so powerful because they have a exponential influence on what happens in our tissues and our bodies. So, you know, everyone listening, there is, you know, sort of common language around, okay, stem cell treatment and stem cells for your skin and stem cells for your joints and all these things. Maybe you could just loosely share about the ways that... Like, let's say you go, oh, my knee is sore, and I can go to Panama and get my stem cells. So let just talk, address that. Talk I, I to me about it. that. I love it, Gabby. That's awesome because it's really important, I think. Again, I talked a little bit earlier about advocacy for science, and I, I think, so there is this group called the International Society of Stem Cell Research, ISSCR, and they put out guidelines for people that are non-scientists that they can help to understand the kinds of things that are proven by data Mm -hmm. to be effective, sort of like, oh, it could be effective, and then like utter scams. Um, And so ISSCR, check it out. I mean, if there's like a bio uh, for this, we can put the link in there so that people can get access to it. For me, I work on trying to understand how to influence and enhance stem cells already in our bodies. But like you said, people 
out there have tried to transplant stem cells from one source or another into a knee joint or I think the the most successful form of stem cell transplantation that we have is blood stem cells, right? A bone marrow transplant, right? So if, you know, you're a younger person and you get leukemia, I think we've all, I think in the cultural like reference, this makes sense. People have heard about this. Um, That is a proven stem cell therapy. For example, Getting stem cells isolated, the whole definition of a stem cell is an entirely different story that is probably far too technical. Isolating stem cells from fat, for example, and then injecting them into your knee and expecting that to somehow cure your arthritis. For me, I'm a little, I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced on the data that I've seen. I'm I'm treating it too nicely. It's bullshit. Like, it's, it's, we're not there yet to be able to show that that is something that's going to be routinely effective. Maybe for some people, right? Like, two in a hundred, it's curative. I mean, great, we did something really great. The majority of scientists are of the opinion, let's do something that will work for 85 to 90% of the time. And that's what clinical trials are about, right? right? That's, that's how the FDA makes sure that they don't put their stamp on things that might be a little dubious. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's very tempting, right? Like you think, because ultimately there's no downside. I love treatments when there's no downside, and then the hope and the wish of, uh, yep. you know, this and the placebo or that. effect is giant, actually. Is it? See? Yeah. I love yeah. that. So it's, it's so weird because I thought it was just also garbage. And yeah. then I started reading into it and psychological studies and actually behavioral studies. It's a real thing. Like there's a 25% improvement that comes from just believing. So, so, but that's. But see, for your science brain, does that, you're just like, oh, Really, really, people. Well, initially, and to your to your credit, absolutely. That's I was like, what in the hell is that? And then I thought about it more, and I was like, well, listen, you know, like all the time, I'm convincing myself that I can do more than where I am at right now. Whether it's on the Peloton, like you were alluding to, or in the lab, asking better questions. Sometimes I make it. Like sometimes I really do get further, and it's like. Okay, so maybe it's not so unbelievable that if I believe that you know I go somewhere and get something injected into my mm-hmm. knee, it's going to benefit me, or yeah. the pain—at least the pain—goes away, right? Because yeah. then we like to feel like we've done something. Yeah, well, that's true, and I think belief, hope—it's all part of dreaming and yeah. expanding. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense that it's powerful and, it, and effective in certain ways, but it must for scientists they must be like, oh my god, yeah, it, it can be quite infuriating <laughs> uh, for sure. I will what acknowledge do you mean that this guy believed this and yeah. this happened. So stem cells, you you do the experiment, turn off the gene, yeah. UCLA. And then you head to USC. Yeah, so by this time, you had, you had asked me, uh, and I, of course, went on a tangent because that's how my brain works. No, I like it. Okay. I want to go on tangents. <laughs> it's, it's great. Let, great. Uh, we're going to need some coffee then. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> go back. Do you know how you were talking about that professor that saw things in you that yeah. maybe your parents did too? I think so. And so we don't, I think we see our children and we love them and, and we know that. And and we are scared. There's nights we put our pillow. You put your head on the pillow, and you think, "Oh, I, I really know they're they they're going to pull it." And sometimes it takes longer than we think, and we hope they don't get hurt in the yeah. meantime, or you know whatever. But you have to realize your parents probably have seen you more clearly than you've even maybe seen yourself for a long time. Yeah. And so I feel like when somebody has very very dramatic gifts, like you have a dramatic gift with your intelligence, I think that's just harder to parent. It, it, the, the, like the, it's, it's amazing, it's going to be amazing, and they're going to make amazing adults. You know, um, anything exaggerated yeah. 
really stubborn or persevere, you know, heavy perseverance or adventurous or musical, whatever it is, I think it's like an ass kicker when they're young, but it's, if allowed to blossom, it's amazing. And I, I think parents, if we can, if we can figure it out, I think, I think we, we know that. So you come out of USC and you're going to be in working in stem cells. Yeah. And how do you pick an application? You know, it was in my later days at UCLA, and I met this professor, Dr. Dennis Ovsenko, Um, And he was focused on osteoarthritis and stem cells in the joint. Good one. Um, and, you know, because right now, and my, my poor mom is one of these people, there are tons of people out there that, you know, there's not a lot we can do for them. We can, for a while, mitigate pain. Yeah. Um, and then, but unfortunately, that's not stopping the source of the pain, which is the degeneration of the cartilage. And so... The cartilage wears down, and then you end up with just bone on bone. Well, I have a fake knee. Oh, so you had a replacement. Mm-hmm. But you're so young. Like, Thank you. But all, your, all the you. athletics, right? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I got one at 46, so about five, five you, years you, ago. And you have repetitive trauma. Yeah, for sure. So people, I always think about the hands. Yeah. And so, okay, so you hooked up. Yeah, so Dennis was like, well, let's try and figure out so, what, and, but the problem is therapeutically, we, have, we haven't made any progress. Like, uh, Why do you think that is? It's a complex issue, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we have, it's a nut that we haven't been able to crack because there's just so many different influences. And honestly, I don't think it's purely in the joint. I think there's a lot of systemic factors that contribute to osteoarthritis. So let's say, in your case, you had a bad knee, Yours was a very obvious, probably, cause as to what that is. But for most people, they're not like professional athletes that are doing like amazing things all the time. Right. How do you analyze their genetics, their lifestyle, this is a, all this these is things? It. All of these things, this, yeah. this, this crazy stew that you're talking about. And are they being honest? Right. right. <laughs> exactly. And like, you know, pain is so subjective, right? So, right, right. Oh, you know, the pain scale. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess all that. Uh, so, you know, you've been yeah. there, right? And you're, you've been working with orthopedic folks to try and evaluate that. So, yeah. But clearly, there are things happening outside the joint that are contributing to what's going on inside the joint. And what we decided to do was try and distill it down. Is there one axis that we could target that may have a broad impact on what's happening in the joint? And what we settled on was this field of research now called inflammaging. And like we actually even touched it on it earlier about uh, when I was blabbing about stem cells, how inflammation mm. can accelerate the biological clock of stem cells and other cells in our body. And so the niche, that's right, we even, we even talked about the niche. So stem cells need to hang out in a relatively protected environment. But if that environment starts to get crappy, the stem cells feel it and they, they're under stress. And so they try to react to the stress. And if they're constantly doing that, mm. they get tired real fast. And then if you can no longer keep up with the wear and tear on the articular surface, let's say in your knee joint, mm-hmm. the net result is going to be loss of the you know, nice thick protein layer that supports our articulating joints. And eventually, you'll start losing cells, chondrocytes, the cells that make up cartilage. And then eventually, you're talking bone on bone. That's really painful. Yeah. Um, it's like hot metal. Yeah, it's... It's like uh, burning metal. Uh, I always say after doing this show, the two things that show up for me over and over is chronic inflammation mm-hmm. and insulin resistance, right? Like when I think about people's overall health yep. besides their mental health. I'm sure, that's which another, is a huge component. That's another story that's for another, another time. Yeah. soup, right? Yeah. Is, is our food, our environment, our stress. I just think people are living in this chronic inflammation yeah. uh, nonstop. And you, you can do it through exercise and through eating a certain way um, and trying to stay calm and things like that. But 
it's a very interesting thing. It's like, how do you unpeel that onion with people? Like for you, for example, now that you know so much about this, do you think to yourself, huh, I wonder if I'm creating stress on my stem cells with my peanut butter sandwich. Like, how do you... There she like, is. No, but how do you... How do you... Because you know too much, right? Yeah. So you're very well aware yeah. of everything you're doing. Like, you know, the apple and the banana, they're not offending you. Yeah. Do you sort of think, is this going to accumulate through time? Like, how do you even for your day-to-day practice yeah. go, how am I managing? Yeah. Because you want to protect your little... Yeah. Your stem cells. You're done right. right. I want to I age slowly. I want to have the longest vitality span that I can. We will do anything for our skin, and it maybe it's something identifiable. Okay, yeah. sun, yeah. smoking. Yep. Pollution, uh, air pollution. Air pollution, right. things like that. So, But there's also the internal stressors. They actually influence our skin aging as of well. Of course. Yeah, you know, and so it's, the skin is in the unenviable position of getting you know, from both blasted sides. from both sides. Right. Yeah. So how do you, like, when you personally think about your own inflammation, yeah. what are you doing to manage it? Yeah, so number one for me is exercise every day. I Well, first of all, because I'm also super high energy, right? Like, yes. there's, clearly, right? Yeah. Like, I, like... Need to burn that off, otherwise it gets it, it's too much. Like it's ugly. I don't sleep, like I because yeah. I'm just too uh, I'm too wired, and so definitely exercise every day for me. I also think for me having a plant based diet, I think that was a really good choice that I made twenty something years ago yeah. without even knowing it. But so talk to me just again scientifically. Remind people the benefits yeah. of exercise. Yeah. Oh man. What Let's does talk- it do to your precious stem cells? So your so this is the cool thing, right? So your stem cells, they're like a rheostat. They actually have their sort of finger on the pulse of the broader global things that are happening in your body because it's their job to. Like it's programmed into them. And so they're hanging out there and they're, you know, they've got their ear to the wind listening to what's going on. It I think it helps to to sort of demonstrate the point. Um, and so they're there and they're constantly paying attention. And they're monitoring the balance in your bloodstream of pro-inflammatory factors and anti-inflammatory factors. And it's their job to sort of, they can secrete things to moderate that, which is interesting. So they can actually respond. Stem cells are not just like this sort of empty vessel that are only being dictated to. That's not true. They can actually, like mesenchymal stem cells, so things that people will get injected into their knee joints, right? They have this uh, pretty impressive anti-inflammatory secretome capacity, the ability to make proteins that calm down inflammatory Mm. factors. So... To a point, stem cells are not only listening, but they're also actively participating in the conversation. But if the inflammatory milieu is too biased for too long Mm. to the pro-inflammatory end of the spectrum, the stem cells no longer, they don't regenerate in response to that. Instead, they're like, well, screw this. I need to start hunkering down and protect myself. I can't respond to this. I cannot, in the face of this insult, you know, continue to do what I'm supposed to do. So they stop producing daughter cells. They stop making good copies of themselves. So their DNA copying capacity, you know, that Xerox machine, yeah. somebody made a crack in the screen at that point, right? Yeah. So then each copy is way worse. And so 
that's really what they're doing the entire time. And if we can keep that circulating balance of pro-inflammatory versus anti-inflammatory within, you know, reason. And our body has huge tolerance for a lot of variance in that. But as we age, that tolerance declines. So that's why in the long run, you know, the longer we can keep that median range of balance between anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory, the longer our vitality span, our health span, and the slower we age. Because we do want a little bit of inflammation. You have to. Because I think people forget, it's like, it's not about no inflammation. It's healthy. It's important. It's just not about chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. So what does exercise whisper to your stem cells? So it, as, exercise puts factors into your circulation saying, basically, I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing something positive for myself, unless it's you know like yeah, like, no crushing your right. Yeah. Yeah, that's different, right? That's an injury. Mile runs, right? Okay, or, and that's extreme exercise. Yeah. But even those folks that do that, yeah, they have to build up to that because if they did it before that, they would. Well, it's not possible. No, it wouldn't. No, it'd just be bad all around. Yeah, um, and so. So when cells, let's say in your muscles, are under an appropriate amount of stress um, because they're being exercised, actually there's feedback to your brain that says, oh yeah, let's secrete some endorphins because this is great. Uh, Let's make this person feel good because they'll they'll keep doing this. Um, And then there's a point which it gets not so great. Uh, But you need that. That's really important, right? Especially when establishing habits. But then the muscle cells themselves actually, just like your stem cells, they know that they're going to have to repair after that exercise. Mm -hmm. They start secreting anti-inflammatory pro-regenerative factors that circulate throughout your body. And so it's it's not local anymore. It's like just because your gastronemius has been, you know, whatever, you've been exercising that, it's it then goes systemic. And that your stem cells all over your body are like, oh, it's such a great thing. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. I think it's interesting if you, let's say I have an injured left leg and I do leg extensions on my right leg. I still receive 25% of the benefit on my left leg, right? So I think sometimes we... We don't forget. What does booze do to your stem cells? Yeah, so like I said when I was talking about tolerance, <laughs> right? The, the, the stem cells, they have a capacity. So a little is okay? Yeah, I think, you know, most things, it's crazy. You know, our, our body has the ability to, to deal with in moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I feel like that's a, a, an old wives' tale or whatever. It's real. It's definitely real. So we countless times have looked at at least, you know, myriad scientists all over have understood that reasonable perturbations in complex systems like our body and our stem cells are tolerated. Obviously, as we age, the tolerance decreases because there is this cumulative impact of previous perturbations yeah. on the system. You know, one too many benders in college. <laughs> like, whoops, daisy. But, you know, like, um, so, but there, there, there is tolerance. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, a glass of red wine, you know, even... Heck, I think even daily you can get away with, like, but it's when you start to push things too far that, you yeah. know, 
It's fascinating for me to talk to someone about health who is a scientist, right? Because I usually am always talking to people who are on this other side of the spectrum who are in movement or in nutrition. And it is really always interesting to talk to scientists because what I find in, like I have, I, David is, Sinclair is a friend of mine, is in a way you guys are a lot more light of spirit about health. It's a very funny thing. Everyone over here is so serious and like, oh, don't eat too many of this and too much of this. And all my scientist friends are like, ah, come on, lighten up. You know, and plus Sinclair's an Aussie, so they're even oh, like yeah. a little more like yeah. light. But it is, it is an interesting thing where you're like, hey, come on, do enough of the right things. Yeah. And it's probably going to be okay. It's on the whole, it's about balance. And I think when we, we skew ourselves, like for me, oftentimes I can get too wrapped up in work and then I don't get enough sleep. And then I can feel that. Like I know that my body, because sleep is very important for this whole thing too. Oh, come right? on. Yes. Is it, it might be the king. I mean, stress and sleep. Yeah, well, because, right. And those two oftentimes for folks are very closely intertwined, right? right? Like you get, you're tolerant. You get shitty sleep when you're really stressed out, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, or you get really stressed out when you're not, you haven't slept. Also, yes. I always say, like, when you, I talk about sleep, and I go, of course, unless you've had an, a, a baby. Yeah. Because I tell people, just you got two years, deal with it. You know, you're walking around either high, you feel high half the time and yeah. out of your mind. Yeah. But sleep for me, it's like almost backs you away from the cliff yeah. of like yep. reaction, yep. stress. Do you have any tricks for like, hey, listen, I've been on this project, it's really on my mind, but I've got to get to sleep. Yeah. Do you have any tricks? Yeah. So again, exercise daily. I mean, for me, that just it's it's so important to like just bring down the noise mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I think for me, this I, I, I'm going to sound so unscientific, and I'm a little. You mean ashamed. like you're a person? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, um, uh, a human being. Okay, I, I kind of have like a, a mental thing that I go through when I know that I'm having trouble sleeping. But it's funny for me, actually, the most difficulty I have is not getting asleep; it's staying asleep. Yep. When that's a lot more challenging, you're you don't have that agency. Over that portion, right? Like you're you're literally unconscious. Like, yeah. okay, great. Yeah. Like, what can I do about that? Uh, and so that has been frustrating over the years. But I have to say, like, you know, I think if you mentally prepare yourself before you go to sleep, I think there is some mitigation that you could do for waking up in the middle of the night. But I would be interested if you have friends on that end of the spectrum. Yeah. I'd love to talk to them because I, yeah, you know, I got a lot to say on that topic. I'd love to hear what they have, the advice they have to give because yeah. I wake up. Uh, like I have to, so now I have like earplugs in, and I've got like a, the mask on because I can't have any stimulation. Like the dog doesn't even sleep in the bed with me because I'm so restless. So I'm, you're a light, light sleeper. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's hard. And then when you get up, what you start processing and that's the problem, doing right? everything. I, and right? that I do feel again, like I can have some control over. But it's why can't I stay, stay rest, deep mm-hmm. rest? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And you've tried like a magnesium and all of those things? No, I haven't. Because you don't believe in that. that like, I, it's again, silly? if you show me some science behind it, I'd be all about it. I, I would be like, absolutely. <laughs> like, let's do that. Um, so many companies based on like people. I know. I know. I, nope, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna look over in this direction, and you know, you just keep. What, yeah, about, I, what about a good old fashioned edible? Yeah. Just take some. Well, you know, and I thought, and I thought about some that. Sativa. Because you know, you know, yeah, I, sativa. Yeah, something yeah, like that. I, 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 you want some science on that? Yeah. Oh, there's We've lots got, of okay. science on that. Um, and actually, now the government, the federal government's like allowing us to do science on that. So I'm very much looking forward okay. to the next like three to five years about the studies that come out. It's legal in California. You well, yeah, no, sorry, but, I, but I want the your data. Li- just get your license, yeah. go over there. You the look like you're over 18. I don't even like, think it's okay. okay. I'm insulted. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't think you even need a license anymore, right? To purchase, I think you do. Really? Yeah, I think, they, oh yeah, they're tracking. Yeah, sativa, give it a go, see what happens. Okay, well, um, uh, noted. <laughs> okay, so 
I want to now move into, this is amazing. See, it's, it's not good to know too much. It doesn't help you it's always to know so much. See me, I'm like, magnesium, it works like a charm because I'm a terrible sleeper. Really? Yeah. Like, gotta, and are you, is it the trouble falling or trouble staying asleep? I'm usually trouble staying. Yeah. And I get up and I start thinking about business and stuff. And my kids, I, those damn kids. Oh. Are they going to make it? They're going to make Who's it. Who's she in the car with? What? Oh, eh, whatever. No, you know what She'll I mean? She'll be fine. <laughs> Says the guy with the dog. Um, so, it's true. you know, the other fascinating thing for me is that you started a new business. So now you're not only, okay, I'm going to be a scientist, now you're trying to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I find that's fascinating. So, and you do have a partner in this, but tell me how you arrived at that. Because in a way, you sort of, your colleagues go, oh, really? Yeah, definitely. I get that all like the time. a serum for yeah. the face. Like, yeah. tell me about that. And I was there even when we started, when we considered it, because... Uh, yeah, there's definitely stigma. I mean, I know we talk about stigma culturally in a much more important context than this, but scientifically, yeah, you, know, you you care what your yeah. your colleagues think, and you you know, like, well, so what are you working on? It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, so. okay, so you did that, <laughs> all right, okay. Yeah, I'm dealing with stem cells around the heart, and yeah. uh, you're like, yeah, and I'm making a face serum, but yeah, so we identified inflammation in the joints as being this like. I don't want to say it was a holy grail, but it was like this is an active contributor to accelerated aging of stem cells and other cells in the joint and likely has a pretty big impact on osteoarthritis. And I think we were really enamored with the concept because it's systemic, right? You're having chronic inflammation that circulates around your body, whether it emanated from your joint or not. It's coming from a bunch of places. It's impacting what's happening in your joint. So if there was a way that we could mitigate that and sort of allow the cells that can heal the joint to sort of tune out some of the noise, find that balance in the middle between pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory, and just go back to their sort of like stem cell nirvana or whatever, right? Like if we could do that, we might be able to do something that folks haven't been able to do yet, which is to find a viable treatment. We call it a disease-modifying treatment for Mm -hmm. osteoarthritis. Can we stop progression of the disease or maybe even reverse it? And so what we ended up doing was screening almost a quarter of a million new molecules, literally one by one. What? (laughs) The look on your face. One by one? Yeah. Yeah, it's high throughput in some sense of the word. So uh, you have, yeah, I don't even remember the number. It's like 1,600 different wells in a little tiny plastic plate. And you put cells in there. And then you basically have a color, a fluorescent reporter, for if they're experiencing inflammation or not. And then you take hundreds of those plates so that you're looking at the effects of all of these different new molecules. And you have a scanner that looks at the plate and says, inflammaging, no inflammaging, infl- or less, less, right? Like it's yeah. a scale. It's a, it's a color metric scale. And then going from almost a quarter of a million, by that, you know, by that method, we can get down to about 400 that look promising relatively quickly. How long does that take? The, so the whole process from start to finish took 10 years. You're trying to help people slow down on their aging and you're taking 10 years, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, no, it's, you're it's like, don't believe me, I I was I understand. a young guy when I started I understand this. the irony of dedicating my life to science and, oh you know, God. aging while I'm trying, uh, you know. Yeah, so 10 years, yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah. That's, but that's what it takes. Well, you were talking about failure, right? It's constant failure. Like every one of these stupid molecules wasn't doing the thing that was supposed to do. Yeah, <laughs> like, no wonder you can't stay asleep. Yeah, exactly. For real. <laughs> like, but if 
eventually, eventually, right? Like we start to get glimmers of hope, and that's what we were talking about earlier with science. And like it's those it's those little small victories um, that you, you really you start to follow the breadcrumbs, and it's like okay, we're definitely on to something. Mm-hmm. You look at the structures of the molecules, and then you start to understand that maybe you know this group here might be particularly important for the impact that we're seeing. And so yeah. then you start playing, um, what's the, the Lincoln logs or Tetris with the molecules. Like right. Start um, applying one segment of one molecule to another and you know, crafting these hybrid molecules that hopefully can continue to get better and better. And mm. so eventually... Is there an acceleration period like where it's like nothing, nothing, boom, like yeah. five years? Yeah. Yeah. brutal 100%. and then like oh is it quick yeah like two years and then quicker six months yeah. is there these acceleration periods as yep. you drill that's down that's the beauty of what oh. we call iterative medicinal chemistry you, yes that's you're exactly right so you can be searching in the wilderness for like you know <laughs> like imagine those like sticks that they use to like look for water in the desert that's yeah. basically what we felt like yeah. and then eventually you know the stick you get in this like smaller and smaller area where the stick is getting really excited and then <laughs> I just yeah. heard myself and then oh, that's um, right yep and then, you know, it, you, you finally strike water. So we found this molecule. When it happens, like the first time, are yeah. you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see if we can make it happen again. Yeah. Do you get like a little like, ooh, I'm excited, but I'm not going to get too excited? Definitely. Yeah. Like reproducibility is so important in science. Like we were talking about that, like with clinical trials. And, and then also, like in this case, we need to make sure that molecules that have similar structures have a similar impact because then that means that it's not just some random fluke of this batch of producing that molecule and like some byproduct that's in there that's screwing everything up or giving you these false positives, right? It's important that the entire family of molecules have similar but different impacts. That tells you that you've really found something biologically relevant. And that's exactly what we were doing. So we took the one that finally looked really good and then we made 75 more analogs because we wanted to make sure, you know, we were on to something really serious. And eventually, you know, we got down to the molecule that we now call HX1. We, the story of transitioning to skincare with it is pretty funny. Again, at this point in the, in the sort of progression or the saga, sometimes I like to refer to it, yeah. uh, is that, uh, you know, we were still very heavily focused on osteoarthritis. And in fact, we still are. Our first drug for osteoarthritis is going into clinical trials next year. And I'm just so damn excited about that. Because yeah, 10 year slog, right? Like yeah. a lot of failure, a lot of ups and downs. But the clinical trial is going to be at USC. It's going to be for folks that have mild to moderate osteoarthritis. Yes, I will talk about it a lot on whatever I'm doing. So, you know, and, and if you're interested, we can. I would love to. I, yes. Well, because it affects so many people. Yeah. Um, but how we transition to skincare, so it's exactly what you would imagine it to be. So every week at UCLA, we had what we called floor meeting, which is basically a conference room, a big conference room with a whiteboard in front and a projector and then lots of coffee, breath and glasses getting together to talk about science. And so one or two people will present what they've been working on and they will open themselves up to the intellectual pummeling by everyone else in the room. Oftentimes what it sort of devolves into because it's politics in science, right? So people will not like a certain person or concept and so I think that motivates their line of questioning to be like extra Yeah, to set them up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but... At the same time, it's extremely valuable because you do get constructive feedback uh, a lot of the time, if not most of the time. I would say there's vendettas like 25% of the time. Um, and it's not bad. Yeah, you know, whatever, right? Like three and four, huzzah. Um, and so, um, you know, after I was talking about where we were with working toward osteoarthritis with this molecule, HX1, researcher down the hall came up to me. And he said, you know, you really should think about using this on the skin because the same mechanisms that you're talking about have a huge impact on 
skin stem cells, they activate themselves through similar pathways. They need to be protected, especially because they're getting blasted from both inside and outside um, from all of this extra stress. And you should consider it. And you even think about things like inflammatory conditions, skin conditions like rosacea or acne or eczema, let alone, you know, sort of slow aging or anti-aging. Yeah, fine lines. Yeah, you should consider that. Discolorations and things like that. Um, And so we laughed it off because obviously (laughs) skincare is sort of how we got (laughs) into this topic. Industry. Uh, like can't wait to get there. Like I've never washed my face in my life at this point. Like that's absolutely true. By the way, uh, eventually though, we we did come around to the idea that this could be a way of getting this amazing technology that we put so much effort into into people's hands mm-hmm. or onto their faces. Yeah. Uh, ironically enough, you know, sharing the work that we've done with people and help them experience something a little bit differently because. Like you said, right? We it, the, it's so noticeable, and we internalize a lot of that. And I didn't really quite understand that before we launched Hero, and I, I got into the beauty industry. It never really occurred to me, or I mean, it occurred to me, but I never really experienced how painful that could be for people, and how difficult sometimes it is on the emotional side to maybe not love the way that you look. Uh, after talking with a ton of people, I have a much greater appreciation for that now, and I'm now I'm super happy that we did this. So, Hero, the market is like, yes, okay, there's a slow aging component, but like you mentioned, rosacea, people were having yeah. you know, less redness yep. and acne, because acne is an inflammation. I yeah. mean, sometimes it is hormonal, especially in younger people. Uh, you were talking about stem cells in the in yeah. the basal layer yeah. as well. So I just want to say right up the top, there is a lot of information in this product. The product is expensive. So people that are listening to this, obviously you're clearly qualified, but I always like to be really forthcoming with people. Now, now you've diversified into this other mm-hmm. world. You're an entrepreneur. In so many ways, that's harder in a different way than science. Yeah. Because... You have and you have a partner. Yep. And how's that going? It's like any other partnership, right? There's going to be give and take and mm-hmm. really learning how the things that you're good at mm-hmm. and the things that the other person is good at. Yeah. And being able to complement one each, one another in terms of your skill sets. Also complement one one another with the I, not the E, because People need to hear that sometimes from mm-hmm. someone that they respect and that maybe they've gone a few rounds with in terms of wondering about directionality. But I, honestly, I, I think the most important thing is really being able to recognize as a functional unit, the two of you, we need to go outside of this partnership and seek people that have expertise that we don't. Because you're scientists or doctors. Like, you don't know what the hell you're doing when it comes to starting a skincare business. Like, yeah. come on. Packaging right. and marketing like, and all these things. Like, literally, it took me a while to figure out that how people look mattered to them. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm embellishing that. You but, have a lot on your mind. Yeah, but it's also, like, once I actually really heard heard it, it was like, oh, of course, this makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I understand it much better now than I did before. Yeah. And then like making things look pretty, like this is clearly not like, I mean, look what I'm wearing. Like I have no idea. And I don't like, I don't care. Like that's not where my brain is. And I'm okay with that. But you're right. You need to find people that can, because it's important when you're going out there, like and you're asking people to believe you and what you've put in the bottle and the 10 years of research that is inside of this Mm -hmm. little glass bottle that it's going to make an impact for them it needs to look the part. It does. And by the way, I got the product three or four days ago. I used it every day because I really like to, you know, use things when I talk about them. 
And I will say it has a very clinical, like I've had a few skincare lines. I know that there's something in there. This isn't like full of fragrances and like fluffiness. This has a very kind of purpose-driven feel to it and smell to it. Yeah. So just a superficial question. I did see that like people could use it, but if their skin was drier than usual, they could even put a moisturizer on top of that. Definitely, yes. Right? We've gotten a ton of feedback. So on all ends of the spectrum. So for me, for example, this is all that I feel my skin wants, right? But there are other people that are like, you know, I'm a little drier and uh, the serum isn't quite as moisturizing as I want it to be. Can I put on a heavier moisturizer? And if so, what's the order? And definitely this would go on first and then a heavier moisturizer on top, no problem. Yeah, or a sunblock, you guys really well, are talking. It has to be, it has to, please, please use sunblock. Yes, I please. know. Do you go out in the sun? No, no. I, I spend, <laughs> spend most of my time inside. I'll admit that you're gonna la- you're gonna look young forever. Uh, yeah, well, because the sun damage component, but like even the stupid like fluorescent lights. Oh, that there there there's an active component of uh, yeah. of UV there that is not negligible. People are seeing like after a few weeks, especially yes, on the rosacea. Question. What's yeah. what's the uh, timeline that they're sort of saying like, oh wow, I'm seeing something. Yeah. So the clinical study that we did, because obviously we're scientists and we're not going to just be like, oh, we're making skincare now. You, you just didn't send it to your sister and, yeah, and Brenda. No, 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 my sister and Brenda. No, Brenda, Brenda. You know, she um, she must be tripping out. <laughs> Brenda must be like my son. I know what. She she she'll never watch this. No offense to you. I just that you're in skincare. Oh, uh, yeah. I think she just wants me to be happy and to do something that I love. I think for her, those are the two big things. Yeah, I definitely found that. Um, I'm and it's been a crazy ride the last couple of years putting this together and then getting out there and marketing it. But sorry. We did a clinical study yeah. um, of just the molecule alone in a nerve base because oh. we wanted to know what the molecule HX1 could do on the skin by itself because I didn't feel comfortable formulating something that I couldn't point to results and say, yeah, I believe in this. And I can believe in it because I'm a scientist and this is, the ty- this is how my brain works. So we had a study with 30 participants. They used this HX1 only in an inert base morning and night after cleansing their face. And then how we evaluated it was also a little different. I, I came to understand the industry. So we hired a board-certified dermatologist to evaluate these participants at the start of the process, mm-hmm. four weeks in, and then eight weeks later. But we didn't stop there because, you know, obviously that's not enough. Like, right. I need something objective, right? Like, a, a board-certified dermatologist, you know, is going to be as objective as possible, but there could be subject, subjectivity there. I want something that is unequivocally scientific. And so we did two sets of imaging as well. One type of imaging called Vizia. These are, I think, many people that are know something about skincare. These are the high-definite images before and afters of yeah. the face. Then we also took it another notch further. Uh, we did Antara imaging. So this is a essentially topographical mapping of the face, imaging-wise, though. Yeah. So you, you take these, in, they're insanely high-definition images of the face. Don't worry, they don't hurt, or there's no, not a lot of light. I, I, my, that face was like, I don't want to know that much about my skin that close. <laughs> like, when yeah. they go, do you want to see what your skin's going to look like in 25 years in the dark spots? I go, no, thank no, you. No, thanks, pass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. But what it allows us to do is it's computerized topography of the face. So you can have the computer just spit out data for fine lines, wrinkles, density of pigmentation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you get completely objective measurements of what is happening from week zero to week eight. And the Intera results were amazing. Like we saw some 
wrinkle reductions up to 85%. So you'd like imagine 85% of the Grand Canyon being filled in. Like, I mean, it's, you see it. What's what's happening? What's happening? One of the coolest things about doing it, like that 10 years of work, identifying the molecule, figuring out what it does, is that we figured out what it does. Like, that's Mm. the coolest thing. So a lot of things, we don't actually know how they work. You know, we hand wave, blah, 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 hypotheses. No, a lot of times we don't know. But we figured out exactly what HX1 does. And so now this is going to get fun. How dorky are go, you? I want to go dorky. Okay, well, have you ever seen Lord of the Rings or read the books? Yeah. Okay, I feel like that's kind of dorky. So. Oh, not at all. Okay, well, all right. So in Lord of the Rings, right, there's this one ring that rules them all. My ring. Yes. My ring. Excellent, Gollum. Uh, And what we figured out is that there's actually a protein on stem cells that controls the balance between regeneration on one side of the spectrum and inflammation and aging on the other. And so if it gets activated in one way, it can actually promote a mild, very normal regenerative response. But if it's activated chronically, and if the environment around the stem cells is crappy, it gets activated in this sort of very negative way. And this will unequivocally accelerate the aging process in stem cells and be responsible for inflammation. So it's this one protein to rule them all. What we found is a molecule that interacts with that protein in such a way that it not only shields it from the chronic factors that would cause the pro-inflammaging response in the stem cells and get them, as we talked about, this feed-forward loop where if a stem cell is in a bad environment, it tells all the other stem cells around it, I'm in a bad environment, and they experience it as well. So it's really a team effort here. So it protects them from these pro-inflammaging factors and it actually shifts the protein into a pro-regenerative response. And so then the stem cell starts telling all the other stem cells and daughter cells around it, let's make more protein. Let's behave like we're young, which more protein in this case is collagen and elastin, which is why we can see wrinkles losing their depth of up to 85% because you're getting more cells that are being produced from those previously tired stem cells. And then those daughter cells are functioning at a higher level. So that whole wrinkle then has no need to exist because the stem cells that are responsible for repairing it are activated properly. So if someone is, let's say, a little more mature, it can repair a bit. Yes. So there's preventative. Yes. Now, did I read something about skin circadian rhythm? Yeah. Okay, so really? Yeah, believe it or not. Okay, so I think we've pretty much established here I'm a creature of habit, right? Yes. Okay, yep. And it helps me function at my optimal level. Stem cells are exactly the same, and circadian rhythm is a part of making sure that when stem cells are doing housekeeping tasks, like let's say listening to that conversation Mm -hmm. that is going on in the body, they're doing it at regular defined intervals so that they are in a rhythm. They are doing something normally. there's, There's no perturbation or as minimal perturbation as possible. So stem cells actually do listen to our body's circadian rhythm. And if they can't listen anymore, then they start to get all pissed off, and then they start like secreting inflammatory factors. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating that the circadian system mm-hmm. is again total body, not just brain. Uh, it's total body. 
just like sunscreen, everyone will be using an anti-inflammaging product in their skincare routines because it's that important. And your skin, again, outside and inside is getting you know, chronically insulted. And so it's, it's important to provide some supplement to that, right? Like I feel like it's really useful for the skin above all else to be able to do that. I really appreciate that you have like a sense of adventure. I think for you to be in skincare is very adventurous of you. <laughs> it is. So are you going to make other products in yes. Hero? Yes. Okay, great. Definitely. And see, okay, so I'm 51, right? And I've been in the sun. I mean, beach volleyball. Right. I grew up in the Caribbean. Wow, yeah. You know, all that. Yeah. However, my father is from Trinidad, and my grandfather was light, be it, but he was black, and my mm-hmm. grandmother was white. So I think I have some genetic support there, right? Yeah. I'm going to ask you something, which is I do believe that the regiment of my food and my exercise, but also, and maybe this is the 25% uh, you know, belief part, I think I have taken supplements since I was in my early 20s. Yeah. I do believe it has supported, it's made me believe that it's supported my skin. Whatever works was what it comes down to for me. Like I'm such a pragmatist, right? When like when it comes to things, like that's why like when we were talking about that placebo effect, initially I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But now I realize, like, listen, we're all in this together, yes. and I think more of us need to think that way. And I think yes. we need to sort of also apply it to not everything that works for one person is going to work for someone else. So we now in the medical field we have this whole thing called personalized medicine, right? Where the affliction that someone is experiencing is not the same, even though the diagnosis may be the same to somebody else. And so we need to have a personalized approach to whatever it is that will help them feel better. There are skincare companies. I've seen a, a smattering of things where they create a product specifically for you, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I think yeah. that's interesting. I think it's more of a marketing thing, honestly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Again, you know, please hang on. I it's can't fine. wait till you go to like those beauty conventions. Oh That'll be amazing. I went be to like, one. Oh, that must be, I would love to hang out with you in one of those. Okay, like, well, let's plan a trip. With ladies with their hands oh, yeah. and all the yep. things. Let's plan thing. a trip. It'll be really entertaining <laughs> for both of us. Well, listen, I just have one question, which is in your dream of dreams to study something in a lab. So you, you have Hero mm-hmm. and you're going to be continuing, I would imagine, in the inflammation yeah. area. What is something, though, that really intrigues you or entices you as a scientist mm. that you would like to put your teeth into just because it's something that interest, interests you? Ooh, wow, I've never been asked that question before. Um, what keeps me up at night in terms of when I wake up from sleeping lightly and the dog is mooing in her crate because she's like, why are you awake? You know, what I think about, honestly, Gabby, is inflammation. I don't think it stops at just slow aging. I think regeneration is possible. So we as mammals are kind of crappy at regenerating, right? But if you look at other organisms that are sort of lower in the phylogeny, you know, there are lizards that can regrow their entire tail. There are salamanders that can regrow entirely perfect limbs. I think that that balance between aging and regeneration can be shifted further. I think that there is a possibility that within our lifetimes, we will be able to achieve functional regeneration Mm. in organisms like like humans. And I think that's the, the puzzle that if I can make some small contribution to understanding the bigger picture, that's what I want to do. And I feel like we're already on the path and then it's just going to be continuing to do meticulous, methodical, decades long, full of failure research. And I think we'll get there. I really do. Well, I, I was really nervous to, about this interview because um, I know quite a few scientists. 
And um, I was like, okay, I got to, I want to, I want to ask Ben about Ben and, you know, cause there's, you know, Dr. Van Handel, but then there's you, the human being. Yeah. And I just want to say that first of all, I've learned quite a lot. And second of all, I just really appreciate your humanity within being, you know, so logical and scientific because I think that that's unusual. And so maybe that's a gift that you'll use in a different way later that you don't even know yet. Maybe you could also just direct people. So can they only, where can they buy Hero? <laughs> yes. Sorry, that part. Yes. So obviously on our website. Yeah. So, and I don't know if how well it can be seen. So how we spell it is H-E-R-A-U-X. Yes. And so the website is Hero Skin.com. You mm-hmm. can go there and, and you can learn and, about it. And we'll put it up on your oh, page okay, as awesome. well. But it, I just wondered if there is it anywhere yep, else? So it's also sold by Revolve as one of our retail partners. Mm-hmm. So it was a really great partnership to be able to Smart. have access to a younger hey. audience, thinking preventative, like we were talking oh, about. Oh, because they're crazy too. You see what they're doing to their skin now? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they could use a little a little support. Their yeah. stem cells are crying out for it. So we'll just give But it they'll to do them. anything. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I have three daughters. They are so on top of their skin game. Yeah. And, and that's so cool that like the the younger folks are really starting to ask serious questions. Oh yeah, right. And I think that's why I think that's the right time for science to step. And again, all you people out there, forgive me. Step seriously into the skincare industry because I, I feel yeah. like at least in my experience, I came there and I was like, really? well, it's per, it's it's portrayed anyway as from a laboratory, so it might as well actually be yeah. from one. Yeah, let's get there. So revolve Re- your sorry. website. Revolve uh, the conservatory. So a couple of brick and Mortar. So this is, these are a great yeah. um, store. They have stores in Dallas, Napa, and in New York City. We're in this wonderful little store called Beauty Mark in Jackson Hole. So if you ever go up to Wyoming, okay. you can get it there. That might that might be all of our current retail partners. Yeah, I think great. I'm thinking of something that's coming. Yeah, I think, listen, the future's online anyway. Yeah. I mean... This is where people shop. Yeah, for sure. That's where you get your margins. That's where you keep your costs down. Well, I mean, also, I feel like online you can you can really have a conversation with yeah, people. Yeah, you so can like, educate. This is an yeah. education. This that, has needs an educational piece. Uh huh. Yeah, time. we we definitely yeah. found that out. Um, <laughs> is that you know yeah. um, it really requires that, and we've had the wonderful opportunity to really start doing things like this, which has been great. Yeah. We are doing this. It's called. Talk Shop Live, where basically it's just me yeah. and somebody else for anywhere from 35 to an hour long, where we talk about this and give, and there's a live chat. People can ask questions. Like, I love these kinds of formats because it's, I just, it's so important for people if they're going to have a product. Yeah. I want you to ask questions about it. I want you to be confident yeah. in the science what behind it. What was the it. thinking behind yeah, it? Exactly. I think you should go see, um, and I'll set it up, you should talk to uh, Lauren Bostic. She has a podcast with her husband um, called The Skinny Confidential, and she's all about it. So you two would be like a house on fire. So <laughs> I really appreciate your time. And, you know, it's, it reminds me, too, that nothing comes easy. Everything takes time, and to do it right takes time. I just think there's no way around it. I, I, think, I think my dad always used to say that when we were growing up. We had many Garyisms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we actually made T-shirts, but, that's, that's, but what I will say is that one of the things he always said, if it's not worth working hard for, it's not worth doing. And it's, again, that's that sort of like uh, wives' tale, but it, uh, I don't know, my parents, they were great. Anyway, thank you so much for having me. Thank this you. is letting, uh, letting me off the leash a little bit. That's really Are fun. Are you kidding? Yeah, no one will ever do that for you again. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll be the only one. That's why you need to talk to Lauren, because you'll have fun with her. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. 
If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.